0: Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 14. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 14. The message is entitled, Walk in the Light. A missionary, home on furlough, told of a simple act of his by which he um, unconsciously saved another's life. He was on board a ship, and when in his berth he was there, one dark night, he um, heard a cry. And so it was so awful that he listened to the sea, and he was listening, and uh, all of a sudden he heard, Man Overboard. And he at once jumped out from his bunk, and he took the swinging lamp from um, his barrack, and he held it to the window at his cabin. He couldn't see anything, but the next morning he was told that the flash of his lamp through the porch showed to those on the deck the missing man clinging to a rope. And he could hardly have held on another minute. The light of the lamp shone just in time to save the man's life. So is the walk of every believer in the light. It is to be a lamp to save those that are perishing. You never know when God will use you. You don't know how God will use you. But one thing you do know is that God wants to use you. Paul the Apostle moves on from the believer's walk in love to his walk in light in verses 8 to 14. He's just warned the believer about being deceived that they were able to live in a moral life and still believe that they had some inheritance in the kingdom of God. They were not to be deceived and not to be partakers with the ungodly. Real simple. Paul now gives to us three important facts about the believer's walk in light in verse 8 to 14. Let me read here, verse 8 down to 14. He says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The three important facts that... The believers to understand regarding this walk in light is as follows. First, the perspective of the believers' walk in light, verse 8 through 10, the perspective. Second, we have the principle of the believers' walk in light, in verse 11 and 12. And then, thirdly, the purpose of the believers' walk in light, verses 13 and 14. The perspective, the principle, and the purpose. Notice verse 8 through 10, the perspective of the believer's walk in light comes first. Notice the Apostle Paul declared that each believer had been bound by their own depravity in the past. For you were once darkness. Underline that. Paul went to the source of the problem of sin. It is not Outward, but it is inward the problem. The problem is not the place. The problem is not the people. The problem is not the environment. The problem um, is these things just add to the problem of sin. But the problem of sin is the depraved heart of man. Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked. Genesis six five says the heart of man is evil uh, continually. Notice Paul did not say you were in darkness, but you were darkness. There's a big difference. The very nature of every person, I don't care how moral you were. I don't care how upright you were in terms of society. Every believer, every person who is not born again, their very nature of their person is darkness. That doesn't mean we don't have a potential for good because we're creating the image of God. But our bent is towards evil. He makes it very clear here. There's not a slip of the language here. He says very clearly that for you were once darkness. Darkness in this context stands for the evil, ungodly, and immoral condition in every unclean word and deed that we've seen from verse 3 through 5 and whatever else comes. The word once simply means former times in the past. That means there was a line of demarcation as we'll see as their new births. He's going to bring that up. He wants the past. He wants the present. He's going to deal with the future. And you should always look at your life like that as a Christian. Very important. Notice the things that the fallen man is what comes out of his heart. Jesus said that's not what comes, um, goes into a man's mouth, but what comes out. It comes from the heart. Adultery, fornication, so on and so forth. He's already told us in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, that we were dead in trespasses and sins, walking according to the course of the world, according to the prince and the power of the air, which works now in the children and the sons of disobedience. People who aren't born again, that's where they are. No matter how moral, how ethical it might be, you might have been there. Every person at one time conducted themselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath just like others. Ephesians 2 3 told us. No exception. That's hard for natural people to understand because they're moral. Some of them are moral. Some of them are ethical. Some of them are real honest. And they can't accept that. But they're very lives if they're honest with themselves and. They know their thoughts. They know their deeds. They know the secrets. They betray their own denial. In fact, in chapter two, verse twelve, said, "At that time we were without Christ, being aliens from the covenant, covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world." What are the darkest descriptions of mankind in the scriptures. Listen carefully. Without Christ, aliens from the covenant, covenant of promise. Having no hope without God in the world. That is one of the darkest verses in the scripture. That's the assessment about a person who does not know Jesus Christ. Now notice the apostle Paul declared that each believer had also experienced their own deliverance in the present. They were in that condition now. But now... Your light in the Lord. So, Paul pointed to a particular time their lives changed from darkness to light. The sharp contrast is marked by the word but, as we've noted many times in Scripture. Prior to this time, they only had a depraved nature, fallen, walking in the futility of their minds. Their understanding darkened, being alien from the life of God because of the ignorance that was in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feelings, had given themselves over to lewdness and working all manner of uncleanness and greediness, he told us in chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. Their present condition is stated. Now you are light. They now had a new divine nature to enable them to please God. The word light, phos, refers to the light itself, not a lamp, but the light itself. They had been so affected that it could not be merely said that they were illuminated. But they themselves were now light, as before they were darkness. You were darkness, now you are light. There's been a change. Now they at the same time still having their depraved nature. Could make it inoperative by walking in the new nature. And as we've seen putting off the old man and being renewed in the spirit of their mind to put on the new man. Ephesians 4.22 and 23. So what you couldn't do before not being born again. Now you can do being born again because you're now a child of light as we'll see. You're no longer Darkness. Now you're light. This does not mean that it is possible to be sinless or perfect. Never. The minute we're born again, we're born into warfare, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 tells us. But it's a winnable warfare because you've got a divine nature. You've got the mind of Christ. You've got the spirit of Christ. You've got the word of God. Notice Paul pointed to a very specific source of light that made this new life possible. In the Lord. In the Lord indicates their position of salvation in and by Christ. Through the gospel, by grace through faith, to be their savior and Lord. There is a difference between the light in the world and the light in the Lord. The light in the world is based upon the standards of man, man's morality, ethics, norms, mores, and ever-changing truths. The light of the Lord is based on his word and his holiness. There's a big difference. We don't want to confuse them. Today, too much of the church is using humanistic standards rather than the word of God. They're being politically correct and like the whole nation and people are being dumbed down, they're dumbing down the holiness of God (laughs) and sin and making judgments. They don't want to talk about it. Notice the apostle Paul here declared that each believer had a duty to walk as children of light now towards the future. she talked about their past, their present, now their future. The end of verse 8, down to verse 10. The end of 8, Paul gave them a command knowing they could obey it. Walk as children of light. You as parents tell your children command them many things. When you command them to do something, you know they can do it. The lesson from the lesser to the greater. If we as parents, as flawed as we are, would we'll only command our children in things we know they can do, how much more God? Simple. And if he commands us, then he, oh, he himself enables us. The word walk, as we've seen before, peripateo simply means to order one's behavior. Or to be habitually conducting oneself in a certain manner. The tense is the present imperative command, ongoing. It's not sporadic. It's not when you feel like it. It's not when you want to. It's not when it's convenient. But at all times. Regardless of the circumstance, situation, or anything else. The word walk communicates certain things. When you see somebody walking, you see stability, direction, progress. Progress. Stamina, resistance, and example. Their identity as children indicates the way they had been enabled. The word children, technon, means a born one, related to the one who bore them Jesus Christ, God. This was at their spiritual birth. This took place when you were born again, when I was born again. If you're here or you're over the Internet or the radio, and if you're not born again, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. For you, the message is that Christ died for you and that he wants to illuminate your mind and heart that you are sinners in uh, separation from God, that he loves you, but he. Your sin separates you, but he sent a son to die for you, that you might call upon him, that he might forgive you and make you his child by grace through faith. That's the gospel. Then next notice, Paul explain the walk of children of the light in the next parenthetical passage, verse 9. It's an explanation of verse 8, an enlargement, if you will. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So the fruit of the Spirit, as we know in Galatians 5.22, is agape love. Only one fruit, agape. Everything else is a manifestation of agape. There are not eight fruits of the Spirit, it's one, singular. Some manuscripts read um light, light, um, Others reach spirit. One of the characteristics of a living organism is the ability to produce and reproduce. That that's recorded in Genesis. After its kind, after its kind, after its kind, after its kind. Living things reproduce. Here he begins with all goodness. It means moral excellence, benevolence, or generosity. It's found four times in the New Testament. Galatians 5.22 is which one of the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit? Goodness. Paul was confident they were full of goodness, Romans 5.14. And Paul prayed to God that he would fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness through them in 2 Thessalonians 1.11. Then he says all righteousness. The state of him who is as he ought to be. Man's dealings with man in the proper way. Deeds and words. That you're right with God in the horizontal because you're right in the vertical. Paul puts it this way. We are servants of righteousness in Romans six, eighteen. Religious people are self-righteous. Now, Christians can be self-righteous. They can be Pharisees. So we have to be careful of that. Exalting ourselves or thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Comparing ourselves among ourselves and being unwise. Then he says all truth, aletheia. We talk about this word often. It means what is true in any matter under consideration or being discussed. A moral, biblical truth that is to be lived out and not just known. The idea is of non-concealment, genuine authenticity. It is used by Jesus when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. After this parenthetical thing that explains verse 8 here in verse 9, Paul now returns to finish verse 8. So you could eliminate verse 9, and you could go from 8 straight to 10, and it would be a continuation. But the parenthetical passage explains 8. Look at verse 10. He provides the reason we are commanded... To walk as children of the light. Finding what is acceptable to the Lord. So you can go from verse 8 directly to verse 10. It connects. The word finding means to put to the test for the purpose of approving its genuineness. The word is used for testing metals, the acid test. The word is used for the testing of believers' works at the beam of seat of Christ in 1 Corinthians 3:13 the motive of the heart whether i did it out of love or selfishness or whatever the word is used for testing men in ministry in 1 Timothy 3:10 then he uses the word acceptable to be well pleasing Romans 12:1 and 2 he says I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service and be not fashioned to this world system but be transformed metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is a good acceptable and the perfect will of God The believer walking in the light in goodness righteousness and truth gives evidence of a life in the light that pleases God it's like a husband and a wife who walk in a well-pleasing manner towards each other, having the proper perspective of their eternal commitment to one another. It's understood. We were all depraved in darkness once, but now we're light in the Lord if we're born again. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So we are children of the light, but the source of our light is Jesus Christ, who has made us born again. We all walked according to the course of the world once, but now we walk as children of the light. Uh, 1 John. John has a lot to do with light and darkness in his gospel, as well as his epistle, 1st epistle first epistle of John, chapter 1, verse 5 through 7 says, This is the message which we have heard from him, Jesus, and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John gives you many tests on how you know if you're a Christian or not. We all walk in all goodness, righteousness, and truth in order to give the world an example of what is pleasing to God. Jesus said in Matthew five fourteen, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Once again, we hold that light, we possess that light by virtue of our relationship to Jesus Christ. And he says he puts us in a very dark world that that light might shine. You don't put it under a bushel, but you put it out so it can illuminate and it can light the way for people. This is the perspective the believer is to have regarding his walk in light. Next comes the principle of the believer's walk in light, verse 11 and 12. Notice in verse 11, the apostle declared that a believer is not to be one with darkness and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Paul gave another negative command here to bring about the positive life of light. The phrase have no fellowship with is an imperative command again. This is not an option for a believer. The tense is the present active to be constantly ongoing. And this is his or her marching orders as a Christian. The word fellowship means to become partaker together with others. The word koinonia we talked about. This is sung koinonia with intensified. The ideas of sharing in common interests and becoming one. The end result would be to be unequally yoked if we have fellowship with darkness on an ongoing basis to the point where we they affect us and we partake of what they are. How we used to live. The word appears only two other times in the New Testament. In Philippians 4.14 and Revelation 18.4. Now, notice Paul gave the imperative command due to two opposed lifestyles. The unfruitful works of darkness were part of the old life. He's talking to believers there at Ephesus. He knew many of them. The word unfruitful simply means to be barren or sterile with no capacity to bring about anything good or living or healthy or please God. The only thing it can bring is pain, destruction, and death. Now, we must understand that sin is fun, at least at the beginning. When you're young and you're starting out in life, it's exciting. But pretty soon those sins start adding up and complicating matters and bringing dire consequences. And the, um, the promise of what you were going to gain is outweighed by the consequences. And it becomes heavier on the negative side. Now they were children of light bringing forth fruit unto God and pleasing Him in the new life. You see, true happiness is not the primary goal of a Christian, at least it's not supposed to be. It's the byproduct of pleasing God. If we please God, we will be truly happy. You give me a child, boy or girl, who obeys their parents, they're a happy child. You show me a child that's disobedient, they're not happy. Nor anybody else in the house. An obedient child is a happy child. It's real simple. The goal is to keep darkness out of the life of the believer who is light. The fact that Paul is commanding them implies the possible danger. They must be vigilant and obey as believers. Paul is not saying that we're not to have any fellowship with non believers ever, but that we are not to share and join partnership in their sins and their lifestyles. The dirty jokes and vulgarity, the immoral conversations or entertainment fornication or adultery. And you can add to the list, we were all in the world long enough to understand all these things. They're part of life. They're part of a decayed society. Then notice Paul the Apostle declared the believer is to expose darkness and air, but rather expose them. So another contrast here. The word "expose" means to reprove or rebuke so as to bring about conviction or acknowledgement of guilt. As parents, you do this to your children. You're confronting them so that they may acknowledge. And you're looking for confession, attorney. Now, this does not imply in a condemning way. But we as children of the light are to do it in meekness and the love of God. So, you don't walk around like that Pharisee, Lord, I thank you, not like other men, pointing to the publican. That's not what we're talking about here. This doesn't mean also that a person will always receive the rebuke or respond in acknowledgement of the wrong. In fact, more often than not, people say, What's the problem? Especially today, that's your opinion. How dare you judge me? Those are the kind of response you get. The word "expose" appears seventeen times in the New Testament. Matthew eighteen fifteen uses it when we are to confront one another and the innocent party is to confront the guilty party. Go tell him his fault between you and him alone. There's the word, Matthew 18, principle. Short distance between two points, a straight line. You know somebody has something odd with you, or has spoken against you, or does something against you? Don't say, well, he did the wrong, so he has to come. No, the Bible says the innocent party should go confront the guilty party. A little different, isn't it? Churches don't do that. That's why they're all messed up. That's why fellowship is all messed up. If you practice Matthew 18, you keep the house clean. Accounts are short-lived. They're settled. John uses it in John 8, 9. Being convicted by their conscience, he says, those accusing the woman of adultery before Jesus. Same word. So at times there may be an accusation Acknowledgement and conviction, maybe even a repentance, but not always and not necessarily automatically. Notice verse 12 the Apostle Paul declared the believer's sanctification is not merely of body, but of mind, heart, and spirit. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. So Paul stated the shamefulness of believers discussing the work of darkness committed by sinners, those who do not know the Lord. This would not be very uplifting to the believer. This could potentially tempt the believer. This could potentially corrupt the believer. When I first came to the Lord, I didn't go back The next week or weekend to find out what my friends did. I know what they did. I know what they would tell me if I asked them. And I know they would tell me even if I didn't ask them. So I had to break out fellowship long enough to get strong. And then go witness to them as the Lord led. (laughs) The word shamefulness means base or dishonorable. And it's to the believer that's dishonorable. The noun form appears only two times in the New Testament. Outside of here. And it's when a woman had her head shaved. And when she spoke out of turn, interrupting the service in 1 Corinthians 11.6 and 14.35. The only other two places. Dishonorable. Shameful. And then Paul stated, notice, that the shamefulness is in the nature of the works and the deeds done by them in secret. The reason they are done in secret is because they themselves know they are contrary to common decency. Because every person has a conscience. But he calluses that conscience. That conscience worked at one time. It made your heart beat real fast when you were going to steal a candy bar. When you were going to do something you weren't supposed to. But the more you did it, the more it killed your conscience. It doesn't work anymore. The emphasis is on the word secret. From the root word to hide, conceal, so as not to become known to man and be shamed and disgraced. And it appears only this one time. And the word done in the present participle here denotes a continuous deed of work of darkness. It's a manner of lifestyle. This is what they do in secret, you and I. Used to do things like that in secret. Some openly and some in secret. You see, they're not ashamed to do sinful things before God. That's not the object here. Even though they are told that God sees everything and God is everywhere. He sees all darkness, nothing is secret to God. But they're they're not. They have no shame about that. Their shame is they don't want people to find out. <laughs> because they don't believe in God. They're more concerned about the shame before man until they are given up to licentious lewdness and they go past every sort of feeling and emotion and check light, if you will, that God has given them. Then it doesn't matter what they do. And so men and women today act in such a way that they don't have any shame or disgrace before men. They're not even fearful or or ashamed of how they live, how they live. They will tell you how they live. Nobody makes any big to-do that they live with a person. Oh, yeah, I've lived with three or four persons. Well, those women are really prostitutes, but they're not even getting paid for it. They're just living with a guy two, three, four years, then he exchanges it for another one. Right? But they don't think that way. Because God made man and a woman for marriage. For life commitment, right? And the society is so decayed and so immoral that they think nothing of it. And they tell you. They they share it openly. Because it's accepted. They're more concerned about their own fulfillment, their own enjoyment, their own will. Paul recorded a horrific list of sins and the unfruitful works of darkness and exposed them in Romans chapter one if you've ever read it, verse 28 to 32 where he speaks about them worshiping the creation and changing the natural use of the woman for the man, homosexuality, and lesbianism. And he enumerates things. And there's other lists that he gives to us throughout the Bible. And and, and these are the things that fallen men and women do. Even when a society is orderly in that, these things are done in secret. When a society is fallen and decayed, then they're done openly and more acceptable. They're called the works of the flesh. Listen to Galatians 5:19 through 21. He says, the works of the flesh are ever present to be manifested, even in the believer. Now, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you before, just as I have told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He told us about inheriting the kingdom of God last time. Let no one deceive you that you can live this way and think that you're going to have an inheritance in heaven, right? He said, let no one deceive you. He's talking to Christians. If there is no possibility of a Christian being deceived that way, why would he give the warning? It's much like um, a policeman who is among criminals every day, but he's among them without partaking. but he exposes the evil. But if at one time or any time he starts partaking of the evil, then he becomes a criminal just like them. Now he may still have a badge. He may still have a uniform. But he's only deceiving himself. He's misrepresenting that badge and that uniform, that department. In the city that he works for. We need to walk in the light. To not be one with the unfruitful unfruitful work of darkness. The most basic and common sense is, let's start with boyfriends and girlfriends. If you're a Christian, you have no business dating a non-believer. Because the standards of the world are none. And if you go out on a date or you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you are expected to have sex. It's given. It's nothing... That's extreme or anything else today. So, if you're a Christian, they're not going to want to hold hands. Trust me. If you're engaged, you want to make sure that you're engaged to a Christian so you don't become unequally ill because boyfriend, fiance, fiance. And if you're in business, You're the Christian. You own that business. You can hire non-believers. You're the boss. You're making the decisions. You're blessing them. You're giving direction and guidance. But you don't go in partnership with a non-believer because now he's part ownership of the business and he has equal right in decision-making. And if he wants to skim off the top so he doesn't pay income tax, you're part of it. So you never become unequally yoked with anybody who's an unbeliever in a committed relationship, a boyfriend, girlfriend, business, or buying things together or whatever, you get yourself in trouble. Romans thirteen thirteen says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness or lust, not in strife or envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. If there is no possibility, why does he have to say it? You ever go up to your kid? He's 10 years old. He says, hey, don't steal that jet. You would never say that because there's no possibility, right? You warn him about real possibilities. When we fellowship with unbelievers, we should serve as a lamp. To allow them to see their sin and error. That's our prayer. That's our hope. Not to exalt ourselves, but that they might be saved. As we'll see the end result. First Peter 3:15 says, Let your shine, your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm sorry, Matthew 5:16. Jesus said that. And then Peter says, uh, Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Uh, and so you can give an answer to every man for the reason of the hope that lies in you with meekness and in fear in First Peter 3.15. So we have, we're a silent witness, and then that silent witness may turn into a vocal witness as they ask questions. Why do you do this? Or how come this? How does the Bible say? When we walk in the light, we garden the sanctification of our mind, heart, and spirit. Romans 16, 19 says, Be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is Paul talking like this? Because... The Gnostics taught that the body didn't matter. You can go enjoy the sexual uh, fulfillment in the temple there with the temple prostitutes. And it didn't affect your spirit. You can enjoy worshiping God in the spirit. And your body were two different things. And you can have your cake and eat it too. Great religion. People flock to it. <laughs> the Bible doesn't teach that. So this is the principle the believers walk in light. There's a clear distinction between light and darkness. Notice, thirdly, we have the purpose of the believer's walk in light, 13 and 14. In 13, the apostle Paul declared that it is to expose all that is opposed to the light and be seen for what it is, sin. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. So Paul indicated the sharp contrast between the previous verse and Verse 13, the word but marks the sharp contrast. And the things done in secret of verse 12, the lies, the gossip, the slander, the fornication, the adultery, whatever it may be, the plotting, the ulterior motives, and the things brought to light and exposed as evil. Evil against God, evil against man or with man. Because when we sin on the earthly level, we sin against somebody or we sin with somebody. One of the two or both. Notice Paul indicated the effectiveness of God's divine light. He said that all things that are exposed are made known to be sin, not that all sin is exposed. Very important. Many sins of unbelievers are never exposed during their earthly life. There are other sins that are are exposed, and if they repent, they will be forgiven. If not, they will be judged at the white throne judgment. But there are a lot of sins that non-believers commit that are never exposed during their lifetime. But when they meet the Lord at the white throne judgment, they will all be given account for. First Timothy 5.24 makes this clear. Some men's sins are clearly evident preceding them to judgment before but those of some men follow later. If he doesn't get you here, he gets you there. Notice he used the same word, exposed, to reprove or rebuke, to bring conviction and admit the guilt. In verse 11, it's an imperative, a command in the present tense, active. That's verse 11. This here is a participle in the present tense, in the middle voice, literally being exposed by the child of light. It's being in process and it's by the instrument, the one who's born again. He says they are made manifest, made visible or known, no longer hidden or secret due to the light. This, again, does not mean that the person will always receive the rebuke or respond in acknowledgement of the wrong. That's our prayer. That's our hope. That's what God desires. But men's hearts are hard sometimes. But only the particular person and their sins are confronted and pointed out to be sin. They have to deal with their personal lives. It's not you're better than somebody else or you're not as bad as somebody else is that you missed the mark. That's the point. The indicative present middle voice again refers to the person who is the child of light. God's using. Notice 13 still, the apostle Paul declared that it is to reveal that there are absolute standards. Listen to the words. For whatever makes manifest is light. Absolute standards. Paul stated that only the word of God is absolute truth and never changes. Stealing, lying, killing are always wrong. Only to save life are they justified and tolerated by God. Someone comes in your house and, you've, and they, they break in your house and they've got a gun and you, your wife is hiding under the stairs and no one knows about that secret passage and say, is anybody in the house? And you, you, you say, no, there isn't. You're lying. Are you sinning? Of course not. You're saving life. Okay? That's different. But lying, stealing, all that is always wrong. Not so with situational ethics, value clarification, humanism, existential philosophies, or religions. They are all ever-changing with the culture, with man's depravity. Notice Paul stated that the plumb line to judge truth is the Word of God. The phrase makes manifest again means made visible or to know, no longer hidden or secret. Due to the light. But this time it is a participle present middle voice again being made manifest. It is the ongoing presence of the child of light as the vessel that God is using to shed light on the darkness of that person and this world. And God has used many of you that way. Your own families, your friends, co workers. then notice paul the apostle here declared that it is to bring an individual to salvation verse 14 this is the bottom line therefore he says awake you who sleep arise from the dead and christ will give you light paul is believed to be quoting here from isaiah 26:19 in Isaiah 60, verse 1, 26, 19 says, Your dead shall live, together with my dead body they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in dust, for your dew is like the dew of heaven, or herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. So it's a partial quote at the beginning. The other one is Isaiah 60, verse 1, arise, shine. For your light has come, and then the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. So the beginning again quotes, partial of that verse. But he pulls it right out of Isaiah. Some believe that these were early church hymns at baptism. Maybe, we don't know. Now notice Paul gave the invitation to those who are spiritually dead. This is the context. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep. The word, therefore, indicates a conclusion of all the section that's been going on from verse 8 on to here. Of the children of light and the children of darkness. Sin and darkness is exposed that they might be turned from. That's the hope. That's the goal. That's the motivation. The revelation of sin is not for mere condemnation or castigation. But salvation, you as a parent know that you don't just thrive on castigating your son or daughter. We would rather deal with it straightforward if it's admitted and it's done with, right? But sometimes there has to be castigation to get to the final end. In other words, in view of the fact that sin is exposed and declared to be sin, the sinner should awake from their death sleep. The word awake simply means to get up. There's an imperative command, again, the error's voice, to be done at a point in time by the person who is being commanded. Of course, it would be through the word of God and through the spirit of God. Paul gave the proclamation to repent of their sins, arise from the dead word arise simply means to cause to rise. And again, is by the power of God's word and his Holy Spirit. The word from is ek. Out from the dead living in sin. This does not refer to the resurrection, but to the new birth. That's what he's talking about. This also is an imperative command. He's commanding people who are dead. To get up. To be reborn. If there's no potential, then why the command? If man can't exercise his will, it's a mute point. The potential is a real one. The believer must receive the invitation and obey the command. Notice Paul gave the affirmation of illumination for transformation. And Christ will give you Light, titled Christ Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah, deity, God who became man. The promise will give you light, indicating salvation. The indicative future active, literally shall shine upon you, allowing that light to see your true condition and calling on his name, (laughs) just as many of us have done. Becoming children of light. The Christian is much like. A lighthouse from a ship. Or for ships to see. That are in the storm. That they might not perish. Never a fixed point. They can go towards. As children of light. We cannot help. Exposing. The darkness around us. Listen to. John three nineteen through 21. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, speaking of Christ. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. It's always a choosing. As children of light, we represent an absolute standard of life based on God's word. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us to the kingdom of his dear son or the son of his love, Colossians 1.13 says, by grace through faith. Wow for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and against powers against the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places Ephesians 6:12 when we get there we'll deal with that we're no longer under that authority that management you're all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night nor the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 6. You see, the children of light are to be used to bring people to salvation. People get married to have children. If people don't get married and don't have children, the human race goes extinct. We preach the gospel that others be born into the kingdom. Same principle. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 2 through 4 It says, But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age, Satan has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Second Corinthians 4, 5-6 through six says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Listen to Romans thirteen, eleven through 12. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. He's talking to believers. This is the purpose of the believer's walk. In light. Let others be saved. What a joy it is. And so the walk of the believer in light consists of the perspective, the walk as children of the light, the principle light and darkness cannot be one, the purpose to bring men to salvation. He lays it out clearly. He's talking to a church that he pastored. He's talking to those who have come to Christ. He's warning. He's encouraging. He's commanding. Because they are children of the light. Father, thank you for your grace, your love, and goodness. Deal with our hearts, and we thank you for your word. We pray for those that are here that perhaps do not know you over the internet, Lord, or the radio. And that you would just minister to them in their heart, Lord, just your love for them and convict them of their sin, they might call on your name. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you might be here sitting or maybe over the internet or the radio, you can ask him in your heart right now and he will forgive you for all your sins. If you believe Jesus is God who became man, died for your sins and rose from the dead, then you can call upon him. Ask Him forgive you of your sins, and He will make you whiter than snow and make you a child of God, a child of light. By grace through faith, this is your prayer to Him if you don't know Him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart baptize me with your holy spirit I accept you as my savior and lord in jesus name amen